Welcome to Nerds of the Roundtable, a podcast on the quest for quality pop culture. I'm Jamie. And I'm Dwayne. And I'm Sammy. And on this episode, we're doing another holiday special. Not that holiday special. But, uh, <laughs> so, Sammy, what are we reviewing, bud? All right. So, this week, we are doing a movie for Veterans Day. And after we debated on Rambo first... Uh, we went with one of, I I think all three of us can talk about as a favorite movie, one of our favorites, and that is Captain America, the first Avenger. Okay. The the first Avenger, well, Captain America, the first (laughs) Avenger, I I thought it was the first Avengers movie. (laughs) Guys, I'm going to have all kind of messed up quotes and characters and stuff like this. Uh, I was wondering how this tied into Veterans Day, but I see now. Captain America. Yes. Oh, gosh. First of no, no, yeah. No. Uh-huh. Uh, all seriousness and all seriousness, all joking aside. <laughs> um, yeah, Captain America, the first Avenger is a classic uh, war movie in the Marvel vein. So I'm looking so forward to, to diving into this. But before we take our deep dive, Captain America, the first Avenger. Let's keep it a one hundred. It's time to keep it one hundred. One hundred. One hundred. One hundred. All right, Jamie, you're leading off with our keeping it one hundred. Okay, um, I'm um, um, pitching something called American Sherlock by Kate Winkler Dawson. It's a uh, it's a history book. It's kind of a biography. It's kind of a um, study in early forensics history. Um, but so for this is a sort of a book pitch for anybody who's a, like a true crime fan out there. Um, and it's about a guy named Oscar Heinrich, um, who's a name I didn't know. Um, I thought I knew. I thought I'd done a lot of reading in that era. That name had slipped by me. But he was a forensic expert who really pioneered a lot of what forensic experts still do. Like he was like the first guy to do blood spatter analysis. Um, mm. he, he, he was the first to sort of systematize like how, you know, handwriting you know, analysis worked. Um, and we look at, so the, bo- the, the movie, we watch a lot of movies here, don't we? But the, uh, but the book is sort of set to follow a lot of his high profile cases. And the, probably the most famous one, and they, and they go into really a lot of depth on is he was the, the lead forensics guy on the fatty Arbuckle case. Mm. Um, which is a you know a, a famous you know case from like prohibition era Hollywood, um, but it's also an interesting glimpse into a, uh, a a really quirky guy. I mean he's he's brilliant, but he's he's a very flawed man. And I just think if you're a true crime fan, uh, you would really enjoy this book. And so American Sherlock by Kate Winkler Dawson is my keeping it one hundred. Cool. Kate Winkler Dawson in relation to Henry. Uh, I don't, I don't <laughs> think so. <laughs> okay. I did no well, research. I was not told to do research. <laughs> <laughs> did well, do the family tree. <laughs> I'm up next on the AKP 100. And, you know, there is a, last week I mentioned a, a Disney Plus show, The Right Stuff. This week, uh, you know, The Mandalorian Season 2. Episode 1 dropped this week. Episode two's dropped. But that's not what I'm going to talk about. We lost a great actor, um, you know, Ramirez in the Hunt for Red October, Ramirez in Highlander, most notably uh, to a lot of people, uh, 
James Bond, and also, you know, senior Dr. Jones. John Connery has passed away. One of my uh, older daughters is a huge Nicolas Cage fan. So in honor of Henry Jones Sr., Sean, a.k.a. Sean Connery, I watched The Rock this week. <laughs> yes, The Rock. Nicolas Cage, Sean Connery, Michael Bean, Ed Harris, Fred or Frank, I forget the name, McGinley, who was one of the Bobs on Office Space, is a Marine mm-hmm. in this thing. I mean, how what range is that? But yeah, The Rock, directed by Jerry Bruckheimer, and it's just a fun romp. None of it's based in reality makes any sense. But you have Nicolas Cage as this insane, uh, Nicolas Cage playing insane surprise, um, <laughs> FBI lab rat, uh, you know, is trying to save the world from a group of Marines who have holed up on Alcatraz Island, going to launch uh, chemical warheads at the city of San Francisco. So, yeah, it's a ton of fun. The Rock, great romp. It might be my favorite Michael Bay movie. Um, I'm not. I'm not the biggest Bay fan. I'm not. I mean, you, I kind of have to be in the mood for you know explosions. But right. the Rock, the Rock's just fun on a level that not every Michael Bay movie is. Yeah. yeah well, I agree when with you him. have you know when you have Nicholas Cage doing his crazy, and when you have Sean Connery being his snarky, you know, cool, suave, yes. British secret agent self, you know, you can't go wrong. Yeah, it's a a good mix. All right, so that leads to me. So um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has had a lot of ups and downs in its seven seasons, right? And the seventh and final season dropped on Netflix recently. And I'm going to be honest, I'm enjoying it. Um, (laughs) The team is jumping through time. And with the first two episodes, it's so apropos, they end up in 1931, pre-Captain America, the first Avenger, uh, and actually come in contact with the courier who has the ingredient for Dr. Erskine's first experiments on Johann Schmidt. So after they've finally gotten back to the point, they're tying back to the MCU a little bit. Um, You know, obviously... I can, we'll see how the rest of the season goes. It's a short season compared to the others, but you know, so far this has been some of the best agents of shield that I've seen in a few seasons, shall we say? Uh, and so that's why season seven of agents of shield makes my keeping it 100 this week. <clears throat> well, that's a very, uh, apt tie in. love Yes. It, uh, that they uh, mixed up there. And, you know, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is one of those shows that I've always avoided because I've heard such horrible things. <laughs> but I've also heard a few great things throughout the way. And, Sam, if you, if anybody will stick with anything, it's you. <laughs> you better believe it. <laughs> just like, just like we're, I, I we're all surprised at some of our choices sometimes. But, uh, you know, a choice that we uh, we all can be proud of is, you know, Captain America, the first event. Definitely. Which is what we're here to talk about, guys. I'm gonna lead off with my, I'm gonna lead off with my grade, then my thought. A plus. 
this is an A plus movie. It's such a fun movie. It it is what it is. You know, you have the pastoral score, which is almost kind of touches on the bombastic, uh, the patriotic. You have the cast, which you know I don't think could have been more well chosen. You have. Uh, you know, the effects are timely. They're not perfect, but they're timely. They work. And then you have, you know, Mr. Father of Boba Fett himself, Joe Johnston, directing. And it just doesn't get any better for me. Uh, so I'm not going to say any more uh, for fear of ruining my fans' pans and the rest of the awards. But, uh, yeah, A, A plus from Eller. All right. Cool. All right. Um, you know, when I think about Captain America, the first Avenger, and I think I, I told Dwayne this last week off air, this movie is like comfort food to me. Um, anytime I want to watch a superhero movie that just makes me smile from beginning to end, it really comes down to two. This is one of them. Okay. Um, I love that this is a period piece. You know, Marvel could have easily have started with Cap waking up, dealing more with the man out of time angle, but they took it back. They took it back to Simon and Kirby. They took it back to Lee and Kirby's origins, you know, all of those types of things that were laid out in the comics. Um, and, and all of the, that's there in some ways. You know, Simon and Kirby's Captain America Comics 1, there's the bones of it in this movie. Uh, when Stan Lee did his take on it in Tales of Suspense and Captain America, there's pieces of that here. Um, even Roger Stern and John Burns run uh, Captain America 255. Told you I did some research on this, guys. Um, you know, a lot of that is here. This is actually the in that issue 255 is when you first get General Phillips introduced to the uh, the mythology, uh, and we actually get background on on Little Steve. Uh, so, but so my point is though with this, the fact that they did this the way they did just makes this movie mean so much to me as a comic book history buff. Um, if you're wondering, Superman the movie is the other movie. Uh, that's my comfort food. And with Captain America First Avenger, I've got to give an A-plus also. Okay. Um, <laughs> oh, no. We may need to get a Davy Downer sounder. I think the First Avenger is a really solid origin story. Um, for a character that wasn't as well known to the public. And I think even the people who like knew the iconography of Captain America weren't quite as familiar with, you know, the actual like you know, origins. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's not super obscure, but he's not Batman. He's not Spider-Man. He's not Superman. Not everybody knows. Um, I do love this movie. And I think Sammy described it correctly. I think on pure enjoyment and affection for this movie, um, it's an A plus. Um, I love it. Um, I could do anything with this on in the background. I just, I mean, I, I love the movie, but it has flaws. Um, it's got a couple of things that really annoy me and um, I'm not like super annoyed, but like I would l like a shot at the script, <laughs> script doctor just a little bit, <laughs> a couple, <laughs> couple little bolts need tightened, you know, kind of deal. Um, 
but the but there are some flaws here. I can't go A plus. I'm going A minus. <clears throat> Sorry, okay. guys. I can't believe I'm the guy keeping Captain America <laughs> out of the Ring of Honor. Out of the Ring of Honor. <laughs> so, uh, so, so Dwayne knocked um, Winter Soldier <laughs> out, and you of all people knocked First Avenger out. <laughs> well, he got to keep it real, though. That's true. He, That's true. he has another shot with uh, with the Civil War. Well, spoilers for whenever we get to that. That ain't an A plus movie either. No, that's, that's, true. That's, that's definitely not. So, yeah. Anyway, but I, I kind of agree with you, uh, Jamie. You know, there, it's not a perfect movie. There's there's things I would like to see more of. There's things that could have developed a little bit more. Um, there's little story threads that kind of left hanging. But, you know, just for pure enjoyment. And eight times out of ten, that's why I, I, I go to the movie or any movie. You know, it's just for enjoyment. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm I mean, still, I, you know, yeah, but I mean, I think I think just just to want to clarify my I mean my point a little bit. This might be my favorite MCU movie, but I don't think it's the best. I mean, I I really do, I love this movie. There's things this movie do that does that are just so heartwarming and so meaningful, and, right. and it's and it's got it's got some emotionally powerful moments that other MCU movies don't have. But we've got a pan section for why it's an movie. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, well, just like the. Underground hydro base had to have the ventilation. I'm sure they used some things. So, guys, let's go use our things. So here we go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So I guess I'm, I'm leading off on fans this week. Um, and, you know, there's just so much I love about this movie. You know, I obviously I gave it an A plus, but I wanted to really kind of hone in on one certain thing. You know, I love how the MCU in general really explores sometimes the lesser parts of Marvel comics, the things people don't know as much. And I love that Captain America, the first Avenger introduces moviegoers to the howling commandos. Uh, yeah. Timothy, Dum Dum Dugan, Gabe Jones. You know, these are characters that first appeared back in 1964. Sergeant Fury is howling commandos. Jim Morita was in issue 38 of that series. So all of these characters, um, you know, they play a little fast and loose with some of them. Uh, Fallsworth was not in the Howling Commandos. He was actually the first uh, Union Jack. Uh, but, you know, still World War II based character, right? He was one of the invaders with, with Cap. Um, but I love how they brought that together. And I love that the Commandos found life after this movie, uh, they were in episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. They've been in episodes of Agent Carter. Neil McDonough, who who just plays such an interesting villain, to have him switched into Dum Dum Dugan as this hero is such a great stash. Uh, reprising that role was just great. <laughs> and, and I just, I love that within the MCU, you've got these big tent poles, but they always bring in these characters that are just steeped in Marvel history that if you're a fan, you can just pick up on. And I love that about it. Yeah, oh, was, yeah. I, 
Dum Dum Dug is my favorite little character <laughs> thing. I, and I love Neil McDonough as an actor, so it's it's nice on that level too, but Yeah. It's just and they and they even call him Dum Dum Dugan. I love that. Timothy Aloysius. I can't remember what the what the next <laughs> he's like a, he's a he's a four namer. <laughs> it's Timothy Aloysius. I can't remember. Ah, oh, I can't believe I forgot. But and then Dugan. So <laughs> Well, right, you well, know, uh, Fritz, one day I'm going to have a stick in my own. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, um, I'm up next, and um, so I'm going to uh, – my fantasy is, is they got Cap right, and it's hard. Um, I think Superman and Captain America both have the, the issues of being people who are um, sincere, earnest characters in a cynical age, and it's hard to get right. It's hard to sell it in such a way that – uh, modern audiences will buy it, but they did some really smart things to make it work. Um, they didn't try to update it like time-wise, like they did with Iron Man, um, because mm-hmm. Iron Man's original origin story was in Vietnam. They just mm-hmm. moved him to Afghanistan. Um, they could have done something like that with Cap as well. Um, they could have made that a modern. They could have had him be a soldier in Afghanistan who they super soldiered up. Um, things went sideways, and they're trying to make everything modern. And I love they didn't do that. And I think having him be a man out of time makes that sincerity feel like something of a, 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 from a, from a different era that makes it work to have him on, on set with Tony Stark later on. Like it, it still works. Mm-hmm. Um, but also I think, I think spending a relatively long time with little Steve at the beginning, I think, I think that helps as well. We see that it's not the muscles. It's not the, the, the magic roids that make him good. Um, it's who he was. It's what he's been through. And we see that even before he was strong, he stood up to bullies um, and that he, he had, a, he had that big heart and had that fight in him when he couldn't win a single fight. And so, and I just love it consistently from when he's the little guy to when he's, you know, roided out. <laughs> <Cap>. um, <laughs> he's just a guy who wants to do his part. Um, he, he doesn't have these big lofty, you know, he, he never gets a, the big head. He's just, he's just a guy who wants to do his part. And so I, I love that they got, they got cap right. Mm-hmm. Yep. For sure. Yeah. Well, you guys have uh, already uh, alluded to a lot of mine, so <clears throat> I'm just going to briefly touch on, you know, that cast. They got Cap right. They got Bucky right. They got Peggy. They got the the. Uh, I mean, they even got the daggone drill instructor at the uh, at the <laughs> place right. You know, um, yeah. I mean, this new Red Skull uh, Zola. They, this movie was almost perfectly cast. But the thing I love best about it is like is just like Jamie said, you know, he, he remains a man of time. They kept the origin story, which they have a lot of times have I've been here lately, but they kept it to the World War II. They kept the Hitler, the Nazi stance, you know, they kept Red Skull in that era. They didn't flinch. They took it for what it was and didn't flinch. Uh, they they tackled it head on. With the cheesiness, with the silliness, capsule and USO bonds, you know, uh, because you know the the, uh, the research was done and, and uh, you know Doctor uh, Ersk was you know killed shortly after he was created, so they didn't, they didn't know what to do with, it. you know, really what he was he was capable of. They had this 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 physique of a person, um, so they made him an icon, and even though they made him an icon, he became the icon. You know, he, you see him going from selling the war bonds using, you know, the, the falsified information 
to actually, you know, once he, he invades the Hydra base, frees the Howling Commanders, you see him, you know, laying plans, performing attacks, you know, in the propaganda footage at the beginning of the movies and stuff, you know. But much like Steve in that back alley, you know, from the punches, he, they, they never flinched. They never flinched once with the story of the script. So that's, that's, that's my biggest fan of these things. They, they got it right, and they didn't flinch. I like it. God, well, uh, my, my friends, the homers here, give this thing an A+. Plus, but uh, <laughs> but we, have, we have a pan section, guys. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know if they made the super serum in a pan or not. <laughs> <laughs> All righty, Jamie, Mr. A minus, you lead off with the fans. <laughs> I thought I was going to be the high one. Um, uh, I'm just feeling. You may, have, you may have been when you gave it that grade. Oh, I've, I've, been, I've been a fan of Captain America for so long. Back, back when he was supremely uncool in the 90s. I'm, I'm dealing with a lot of guilt right now. I'm keeping him out of the ring of honor. <laughs> Uh, but I, I've got I've got a huge pan, and it's and it's the thing that for me drops this from an A plus to an A minus. Um, the pacing is off, um, dramatically, terribly, tragically off. Um, the movie opens really strong, um, so we've got like a, probably a good thirty minute block from when he is Lil Steve fighting in back alleys. Well, not fighting, getting knocked around <laughs> to everything that happens on the military base. The, 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 his first little adventure after he gets dosed and Dr. Erskine gets killed. Um, all of that is just almost perfection. That's an A plus scene. Um, everything that happens at the end, like the last, I'd say 20, 30 minutes at the end is pitch perfect. And then there's like a middle hour. That's like a glorified montage where they take an occasional break for a little bit of dialogue. And, <laughs> And honest to goodness, man, about 30 minutes after I finished this movie, all I can remember is the beginning and the end. And the like the mist at dawn, the rest of the movie just disappears. It's just stuff that happens mm. that's to be happening. And that it, it doesn't connect in ways that it should. Um, it's just stuff that happens to show us how, how good Steve is, to show to get him into place to do the end. Um, and I just I, the, the middle of this movie just bothers me. Um, it's just it, it's off. Pacing wise. <clears throat> well, I guess I'm up next on pans and uh, Jamie, we may come back to that middle montage a little bit later in, uh, <laughs> in our sections. But uh, my, my biggest pan, I think, even goes to Marvel overall, is they have, you know, some of their bad guys are really one dimensional. But you had quite a few people who've shown some depth, who've shown some real promise. Loki stole the Avengers, stole Thor Ragnarok, continues to be a fan favorite, even though Thanos has killed him. Uh, you know, um, the guy from, and I'm, I'm forgetting his name, is just because I'm not familiar with the character, but the guy from Civil War really looked like he was having some depth. Uh, Zemo. You know, Zemo, exactly. Mm-hmm. Zemo really looked like he was having some depth that could have happened. But it didn't develop. Another one of those characters I think that was sorely missed was Red Skull. I would have loved 
to have seen more Red Skull, a little bit more of his backstory, a little bit more of his insanity. I mean, Hugo Weaving was chewing scenery left and right. I mean, he he was, you know, there was one point where he ripped off the face. But I mean, he was ripping the face, you know, just devouring scenery. Uh, every, every scene he was in, he was so menacing, so creepy, so evil, so maniacal, uh, manic almost. Um zealous in his cause but you know i wish they would have they would and i wish they would over all over more movies you know, don't don't kill these guys off so soon i know we're in comic book territory people come back all the time they get better but but uh, you know they, they could do a lot yeah more. yeah do you think I'm sorry to jump in. Do you, do you think okay. he actually died at the end because I, I feel like the way they had him get pulled away by the um well, I mean, we see in, uh, you know, we see in um, Endgame, you know, he, he doesn't die. He's pulled to their dimension, you know, but he's still effectively taken out of the universe. You know, he's still effectively right. taken out of the universe. You know, of, of course, like I said, we see him. And I loved his turn in Endgame. I thought he was really creepy on the planet where the soul stone was. Uh, you but do you know, think that had, was the original plan? have that cost. No, I don't. I don't. I think no. he was such a. I think that there was such an outcry of you know wanting more Hugo, wanting more Red Skull. Mm-hmm. You know that that they want. You know, and and like I said, it's a thing. You know, and, and it's been throughout the MCU. You know, they they introduce these these villains, and then they kill them in one movie. Well, you know, don't necessarily kill them in one movie, but I love what Spider Man done. You know, they, they took Vulture and put him in prison. He's going to be back. You know. Um, and I know that Marvel uh, is trying to, to, to anchor these in real world with events and technologies and things. So, you know, we don't have the f- fantastical, you know, resurrections uh, as much as we did in the, in the, in the pages. Yeah. You know, what, what, they, what they could have done, you know, if they chose to, you know, the most famous version, obviously, of Red Skull is Johann Schmidt. You know, but he wasn't, that wasn't the Red Skull in in his first appearance. It was a guy named like George Maxson or something. And then later on, Johann Schmidt comes in. So, I mean, they they could have played with that a little bit, just to sidestep and get get a little bit more Red Skull in there. So, yeah, you got to have him maybe come back through, through, you know, the subsequent years, you know, have have the character come. But, you know, but I mean, Hugo Weaving, you know, just all of that role, much as, you know, uh, Tom Holland is, uh, you know, Spider-Man and, uh, you know, Loki, um, I'm forgetting the guys. I'm, I'm sorry, guys. My brain is not here today, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> my brain, my brain, I showed up, but my brain did much like my internet also. Um, <laughs> well, I didn't mean know, to get us down a rabbit trail. Uh, oh no, that's okay. But it's, I mean, it's great because, um, I really, I know a lot of fans are out crying to see Dr. Doom. But gosh, I'm scared to death for <laughs> yeah. them to bring him in and kill him off because, I mean, he was one of the hugest. He was one of the biggest bads, you know. Well, they got two strikes on Doom right now, so let's let's hope if they do, <laughs> we can hit it out of the park. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I hope that that's a role they don't walk. But, Sam, why don't you walk us out of here with the last All right. Part? So, you know, I, I agree with both of y'all. There are some small holes in this movie that 
that I think sometimes bothers me, especially if you look at the bigger scheme of where the storyline goes, you know, with Red Skull is one thing with, you know, I think sometimes maybe the the montage stuff in the middle can be a little slower and we could have had a little bit more interaction, especially between Cap and Skull. You know, we never, I feel like we didn't really get a payoff there, but the one thing that I think is missing the most, you know, we got it in the Iron Man movies, but we didn't get it here. So instead of the star spangled man with a plan, right? We should have had this. When Captain America throws his mighty shield, <laughs> the Lord chose to oppose the shield of steel. If he's left to a fight in a duel, this too, then the red and the white and the blue will come through when Captain America throws his mighty shield. <laughs> so, no. Not really, but uh, <laughs> the the other option was for me to sing it, and I just thought it'd be better to have the original. And I don't even know if that came through really well, guys. But uh, but point is, um, the other big thing that bothers me is the introduction of vibranium. That kind of bothers me a little bit, uh, only because of where they go with with Black Panther. Uh, it just kind of pulls pulls me out there for a minute i have too many questions i guess in the grand scheme <laughs> um supposedly they answered it in a comic book tie-in uh to this movie um but to me that gets into what jamie always talks about in star wars territory mm-hmm. if it's if it's going to be in a movie it needs to be explained in the movie not a side story so along with the fact that we're missing Captain America's Mighty Shield. Um, I think that the introduction of Vibranium just falls a little short for me. Um, We know they can't mention adamantium just because of rights, at the time at least. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's another little hint, like uh, like the Infinity Gauntlet in Thor. These little things Mm -hmm. that can say, like, yeah, they weren't thinking that far ahead. They were just throwing in little, you know, Easter eggs. Right, uh, exactly. And now, and now there's probably a lot of regrets floating around about some of the Easter eggs they've put in. Yeah, I agree. But now, Sam, was not that song present during the um, the USO bombs montage? Now, they used the Star Spangled Man with a plan. Spangled it's, Man with the plan? Yeah. Yeah. Sure I remember that one specifically, but not the whole yeah. thing. Okay. Yeah, they uh, they used that. Like I said, they used the the Star Spangled Man. They used. Let's see if I can. (laughs) (laughs) And obviously, the soundtrack does not have the speaking parts, which makes that sound like it takes forever to get to. So. uh... They don't have Cap going, buy war bonds, you know. <laughs> Buying right. a war bond is like a bullet in your best pal's gun. So. <laughs> I got a kick of how much he got into it by the end. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah he, he really felt himself uh, before he got to the the, uh, the frontier. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys, you want to give us some awards? Let's do it. Graphically Novel. Three brothers tackle a different graphic novel each week. Listen as the Brothers Fugit discuss classic and not-so-classic graphic novels. 
subscribe now on your podcast feed of choice. Graphically Novel, three brothers who like each other but love comics. Dwayne, you are first out of the gate with base performance. Well, this is such a strongly cast movie, and I believe everybody's knocking it out of the park so much. I almost went with best performance. Was uh, you know, I almost went with one of these little bitty minor characters, uh, Jenna Louise Coleman's, uh, you know, Bucky's date during the uh, this the expo there. You know, I almost went there. You say really, a, a character <laughs> that I <laughs> uh, really a character that I thought has really been forgotten. And I had forgotten him. Was a uh, Doctor Ersk, played by Stanley Tucci. I I think he really, you know, had the heart of a guy who had tried and failed, um, in in a really big bad way with Red Skull, and he was trying to make it so right, and he was so intent on getting Little Steve into the program, you know that uh, he. Uh, and I love Stanley Tucci. Anytime I see him on screen, I'm, I, I feel like I'm in for a treat. He's he's just great in, in any role I've ever seen him in. But uh, I'm I'm going to go with him as as uh, Doctor Ersk. He's was just a, a highlight in this movie. You know what's so funny about that character? There was so much confusion in the early comics. Um, originally, he was Doctor Reinstein. Okay, that was in Simon and Kirby's origin. Then Lee and Kirby call him Erskine. Then Lee writes another story a few years later and calls him Reinstein again. (laughs) 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 So it's hilarious. And and eventually, I think in Roger Stern's origin, like he's introduced to, to Steve and they're like, Oh, this is professor Reinstein. And Steve's like, no, that's the famous Dr. Erskine. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I guess they went so. with Ersk to save on ink. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Something. <laughs> oh. You know, I, I think with, with me, I, in, in terms of best performance, I have to kind of go back to something that Jamie talked about. Um, they got captain America, right. And to me, best performance has to go to Chris Evans. Uh, I talk about this a lot. If your primary your primary protagonist doesn't work, your movie's not going to work. And yeah. and I agree completely. Superman and Captain America are tough because they are characters from a, a previous generation. It's a different world, and they're bringing a value system. And Chris Evans just brings that in spades. Um, they couldn't have chosen any better. I mean, he truly exudes Cap's heart, his soul, uh, that earnest nature that makes Captain America who he is at his core. Um, and, and to me, if we don't have that, we don't get that trinity in Avengers, you know, with, with those three characters. So we've got to have Cap as the heart and soul. And, and you know, Evans does that. Yeah, and I, I'm going to disagree with you, um, but <laughs> I did some <laughs> research okay. this week, and he had to do, like, the little Steve scenes, like, four different times. Um, and, I mean, it was I mean, it's such a difficulty level with some of the performance stuff in this movie. So, yeah, my, my hat's off to Chris Evans. He was the perfect guy. Um, but I'm going to go with Haley Atwell. Um, 
I think she is just, she's so charming in this movie and so believable in all of her interactions. And if you think about the role she was playing, there were so many ways that could have went wrong. And I think, and I think if they get, uh, if they get Peggy wrong, I think there's a, a big hole in this movie. And there's, I mean, it'll, I mean, Chris Evans is so good and this, and the, and the setup is so good that it still works as a movie. Uh, but I think, I think there would be a lot of the heart would be missing out of the movie. And I mean, you think about, I mean, the role she's playing, she's a foreigner. I mean, she's a British liaison. She's a spy, not a soldier. She's a woman in a man's world in an era when that was a whole thing. Um, and she was also the love interest. And so that could have made her like a, you know, the simpering love interest from the forties. Mm-hmm. And instead the entire time she's still strong. She's independent. She's in command. Um, you never doubt her competence. I mean, all the way through, she pulls off being tough, capable, smart, while also being warm, um, being a person of ideals. And, and her chemistry with Chris Evans was, I mean, it was, I mean, it was real. You, I, I believe they were really developing a relationship. And so I, I, yeah. I think Haley Atwill, I think um, she didn't have as much screen time as Chris Evans. She never got to throw a shield, but uh, she's still a lot of scenes. Oh yeah, oh yeah. She was uh, she was excellent in this movie. I th- I think Chris Evans was excellent too, but I think there's other movies that he's been better in, uh, which is why I didn't go with him in this one. But yeah, she was she was excellent in this, and I'm glad she got her own spinoff show at least for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <clears throat> well, Sam, best scene. All right. So I've got two scenes that really stand out um both of them are off the wall i'll admit completely and totally uh there's so many cool scenes in this so many cool action scenes so many cool moments uh that we get um i've got both of mine are small though okay they're these small little things during the uh aforementioned star-spangled man montage Right. We've got Cap speaking to the audience, uh, quote unquote, Adolf is sneaking up behind him (laughs) and the reaction of those kids is just so heartwarming. I love it. It just it just it just makes me feel all warm and gooey and fuzzy inside because, you know, that's what I would have been like as that as a kid. I would have been. I remember meeting people dressed up as Wonder Woman and Spider-Man, and, and I just thought that's who it really was. And, and you know, I could get what those kids are feeling. And, and I just, I love that scene. Uh, like I said, it just goes back to that earnest nature of, of Cap and the time period. Um, I will throw in my other small one. I love the fact that the Stark Expo, we see Dr. Phineas Horton's synthetic man, Oh, I want more of the Golden Age Human Torch people. So, <laughs> well, he is a synthesoid. I mean, he could he still is. be around. I've always said that Namor movie. Yeah. <laughs> the whole fire and water thing, totally yeah. buying. <laughs> and uh, synthetic people tend to age better than the rest of us. So, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, we see that with Dolly Parton every day. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, and she, that's a joke she would make herself. Yeah. I, I love it. Um, I, I don't know but, at this point. I think Paul Rudd and uh, Keanu might be synthesoids. Might be coming up on her. Yeah. 
Well, I'm going to jump in here in front of Jamie just because I want to stick this in his face. I love, 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 love the uh, the Howling Commandos montage. <laughs> you know, you, you have the raids, you have the, you know, like you said, there's, there's a little bit of dialogue sprinkled throughout, you know, developing things, but this montage is worthy of a Rocky movie. Um, you know, the, the action, the effects, the comic book poses of Cap with the shield, the commandos <laughs> doing their thing. Um, you know, I would have loved to have gotten more of the Helling Commandos. Uh, you know, even beyond this, you know, I, I wish they would have been a thing. You know, more more of a thing and, and more kind of talked about what they were mm-hmm. instead of, you know, kind of just a couple lines in Civil War. You kept with the Helling Commandos, you know. <laughs> Well, I was a little kid in the 80s. I've got a pretty high tolerance for montages. This one just seemed to go on forever. <laughs> and it wasn't just like yeah. there was one montage. It was like Rocky IV where there was like five montages. Five montages. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and that's what kind of, I mean, and, and that to me is what really made it so great. Is, is you know, it goes back to my pants. They didn't flinch. You know, back to my family. They didn't flinch. They carried through with it. And just like the IT crowd. They started something great. It kind of went till it was dumb, and they kept on going till it was great again. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, okay, so my best scene is the last conversation with Peggy um, as the plane's mm. going down. It's mm. just so touching. It's so oh, well written. Issue. Yeah, and they say, yeah, the first time I saw this movie, it got dusty. I've, I've, I've managed to hold it together since. Um, but they say so much so carefully and so cleverly without coming right out and saying things. And I think that that adds to like, you know, like, like if, like if, if they were to come out and just say what they really felt like and how deeply they felt it, like it would have hurt more. And so they, so they kind of tap danced around it. And, and I, and I'm an absolute sucker for like heroic sacrifice. I mean, it gets me every time and the room mm. usually does get dusty. Um, but to add to the moment, to the power of that moment, he's not just sacrificing his life there. He's sacrificing his future with Peggy. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's it's just it's really well done. It's a, it makes it a really powerful moment. That's that's my best scene. I like it. And, and every time he punches the red skull. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you're not uh, you're not wrong. So let's see if you're not wrong on best character, Jamie. I pulled the same trick. I divided and conquered. Uh, <laughs> best character is Steve Rogers. <laughs> I, could, I could not decide on best performance between uh, Chris Evans as Captain America and Haley Atwell as Peggy Carter, so I split. I did. Uh, I did Sammy's Oscar rules. Um, I love Steve. I love Steve so much, and um, I've been perpetually frustrated by the comic books. Very few writers get Cap right in the comics, um, and so it's so impressive that they've gotten him so right for the movies. Um, I, almost every Captain America series I start, I. I I start off enjoying, I end up hate reading, and then I just quit. Um, <laughs> I, ne- I, hate never, hate <laughs> I never, I never, I never got to that in the movies with, with Chris Evans as Captain America. It never got to that. He he yeah. is Steve Rogers all the way through, and he's just such this person of integrity. Um, he's got this weird, wonderful combination of humility and audacity. That's 
such a fine line to walk. And it's really, it makes him an inspiring character. Like he never thinks he's like the, the real, the, everything. He doesn't get the big head, mm-hmm. but he's still the guy who's willing to go in single-handedly to go rescue his friend. Um, yep. And to, to, to be the person who's willing to do that and not have a big head about it. That's, that's impressive. That makes for a really a character that's easy to love and easy to root for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Steve Rogers is my best character. Well, I like it. <clears throat> yeah. I like it. I like it. Um, just like a best performance, I had such, such, such a hard time with this. And I have written, written down on my notes the drill instructor because I couldn't decide <laughs> on a bigger character uh, you know, who was who was good. I had, had to just drill instructor because I, I even IMDb'd and couldn't find out exactly who it was. But uh, I'm going to go with uh, Tommy Lee Jones and his character. Um, every word out of the man's mouth is quote worthy. <laughs> Everything, um, all of his actions uh, are so synced into the point. And, you know, when he's talking about, uh, you know, the, the project, he's saying, you know, well, how much, you know, how much uh, did I have to, to kiss uh, Oh, Senator, what's his name's butt, you know, and uh, <laughs> he's, he's having to jump to these hoops, but he's, he doesn't even care who the guy is. And he's telling the, you know, Peggy later, um, you know, we're going to have a conversation you are not going to enjoy. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, and then when he sees Steve take his shirt off, you know, he, or he sees him on the battle, on the training field, he says, you know, he's making me cry. <laughs> I, I love the man. Uh, you know, Tommy Lee Jones is such a great character actor. Uh, he went so far off the rails with Two-Face, you know, but like he was competing with Jim Carrey. But, you know, he, he's consistently good. And he, he really hit it home as uh, the general uh, Phillips in this. So Tom Lee Jones is my favorite character. He's still blame, skinny. <laughs> I'm still skinny. <laughs> I blame no one for the Schumacher movies. No, I get I, no actor gets any of it. No demerits. I mean that, that was that was the whole thing. Uh, my, uh, Sammy Sammy gave one of my favorite little moments, but my other one is after uh, Peggy finally kisses Steve. And Steve looks. <laughs> Don't look at me. I ain't kissing you. you. (laughs) Every word out of the man's mouth is golden, you know, and he's such a great attitude. You know, I mean, even when he's writing the condolence letters, you know, and Steve walks up, he's like, I need to know if there's a name on there. He's like, I've written more of these than I care to think about. He's even being smart and snarky then. But, you know. All right. So, um, best character for me. I did the same thing Jamie did, but flip-flopped it. So my best character is Peggy Carter, uh, played by Haley Atwell, obviously. Um, what I really, really like now, now for, of course I w- almost went with the obligatory Dr. Who reference with Jenna Louise Coleman. All right. Jenna w- was a, companion of the doctor you know clara oswald uh also british so there's always something there that i kind of sticks out to me but so peggy carter uh on the other hand though what i really liked about this is the way they used peggy in this in the story you know in every version of cap's origin there's always a female agent present uh she's usually in disguise sometimes she's the old curio owner um and then Peggy comes in in the Silver Age, actually. She doesn't come in until 
later in the Silver Age. So it's almost like they said, well, you know, they, we've got this agent here, and we know Cap had this relationship with Peggy Carter, and the whole Peggy Carter, Sharon Carter thing I just think is weird that starts getting into Luke and Leia territory for me. But uh, but but to bring Peggy in as the agent, and, and you know, Haley Atwell is just such a good, good actor, and I love the way she does this. Um, and, and the way that that she she brings that character to life makes those moments in Winter Soldier and that scene in Endgame. You know, go, going back to what Jamie was talking about with, with the, the their last conversation in this movie, that's that payoff in Endgame. Without that conversation, that dance in Endgame with that red dress, it doesn't Mm-mm. have the same impact. Or or when he's saying goodbye to her. In so in the Winter Soldier, you know, I mean, it's those types of things, you know. So I mean, she she just does such great, and I love Peggy, and I've watched all of Agent Carter. So. <laughs> I did. Uh, <laughs> like you said, Dwayne, I'll stick with anything. <laughs> I have I have started Agent Carter. I, it's a better show than it got credit for. Yeah, I, I had heard that. Yeah, I'd heard that. Uh, Sam, you're tearing me up here. I can't uh, help no. You're tearing me up here with some of the things. Um, I, I, I'll lead off with the best quote. And, uh, you know, I've already said, you know, every word out of Tommy Lee Jones' mouth is golden. But I love the awkwardness of Steve. Because, as Peggy says, you still don't know how to talk to women, do you? When you know, Howard Stark and, and Agent Carter is dropping him behind enemy lines. And, you know, he's trying to figure out, you know, and, and Stark hits on Peggy and, you know, says, hey, you want to fondue? And Steve looks at her and says, do you two, you know, fondue? <laughs> so just the awkwardness, the earnestness, the, the, having no idea what he's talking about, but still, you know, being so concerned about her situation to throw it out there, you know, and he really being interested. Uh, you know, so are you two, do you fondue? <laughs> That's, I love it. <laughs> well, I, I've, I've got another one. That's probably not one of the obvious ones. It's just, uh, to me, it's a, it's a thing that establishes Becky and Steve's relationship really well. Because, you know, brothers have a way of talking to each other that um, is unique and also kind of it kind of lets you, like, you can talk to your brother ways you don't talk to other people. <laughs> There's mm-hmm. things you can get away with. <laughs> you can say to your brother that you're not friends with another, another dude if you say it to them. And so, but there's, a, there's a, a quick little exchange between Bucky and Steve that tells me that these guys, they're more than friends. They're, they're more like brothers. They're just mm-hmm. guys that grew up together. And so um, Bucky's getting ready to leave to go to the war, and he tells him, don't do anything stupid until I come back. And Steve quickly responds, how can I? You're taking all the stupid with you. <laughs> yeah. And I just, it's a little thing, but like, yeah, that's, that's, that's what the brothers say to each other. They're, yeah. You know, it, it establishes yeah. how close they really are. So I just, I, I love that little moment, that little line. I, I, I like that one. Cause like you said, it does establish that relationship and that bond that they have, you know, in, in terms of characters. Um, you know, for my best quote, you know, we've talked a lot about 
what makes Captain America Captain America. You know, what makes him the character that, you know, Chris Evans brought to life and, and the character that, that we love, uh, even though, as Jamie said, some of the stories go off the rails. Um, <laughs> it, it's this little bit of dialogue between uh, Dr. Erskine and Steve. Do you want to kill Nazis? Is this a test? Yes. Yes. I don't want to kill anyone. I don't like bullies. I don't care where they're from. And that, once again, goes to the heart of who Captain America is. You know, just doesn't like bullies, man. I dig it. <laughs> yeah, and um, and to piggyback off of those, there's a couple of other ones that go right along with it. Like when he's explaining to Peggy why he doesn't run away. Mm-hmm. And, and the repeated thing of, I, I can do this all day. You know, yep. yeah, it's just, you know, which leads to our next award, the best caps, just the best moment. So, Sammy, what, what you got? All right. You know, this is where I kind of cheated a little bit and found another piece of dialogue I really liked. Um, <laughs> because it truly, to me, goes along with why Cap is just the best in the Marvel Universe. Okay. The Red Skull accuses Erskine of resenting his genius. He then asks Cap, what makes him so special? Cap replies, nothing. I'm just a kid from Brooklyn. That's what makes Captain America the best. No, no big head, no I'm, I'm that. He knows he's this symbol, but he keeps himself grounded. He's that kid from Brooklyn. And, and I think writers who get that, can make great Captain America stories. And I think that this script did that. So, yep. Yeah, yeah I, I've got a similar one. Um, it's in the middle of the, the first montage in the movie, the training montage. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's, when, it's when Erskine is making his point and he throws the grenade out. And Hodge, <laughs> who is, you know, Cap, you know General <laughs> Phillips' favorite, goes and hides behind a Jeep. Everybody else is diving out of the way. Steve doesn't hesitate. He goes straight on the grenade and is hugging it to his body. Mm-hmm. And it takes way too long to catch on that it's a dummy. But he's <laughs> <laughs> got like five minutes for people to get back and to get away. But, but I mean, that's the kind of person he is. He doesn't, he, he's willing to put himself on the line for everybody else. He's the kind of guy yep. that jumps on a grenade and doesn't jump out of the way. So I just, I love that about him. It's a great moment. And, that, and that's where that he's still skinny line comes from. <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I think just like we've all done here and trying to sneak in another quote, um, that's uh, what I'm going to do. When, uh, and you guys have already alluded to it, when uh, Steve's driving to the procedure, Peggy says, you know, he said, I got beat up in that alley, in that parking lot. And Peggy's looking at him like, are you serious right now? And then she says, do you have a problem with running away? And Steve responds, it's a little Steve moment. When you start running, they never let you stop. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, just like, you know, that kid from Brooklyn, when you start running, they never let you stop. And so he's, you know, he's going to stand. He's going to do this all day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whatever it takes. That's the best. I don't 
know about well, you guys. I know what a, I know what a big fan Jamie is of uh, Little Sting, and uh, you know this <laughs> next award or last award of the show is the best special effect that isn't Little Steve. You know, and and the blending. You know, a lot of people thought that they just took Chris Evans and you know skinny eyes neighbor, you know whatever digitally thing that, but they had a uh, you know an actor that resembled uh, Steve a lot. Uh, you know Chris Evans a lot, and uh, you know just kind of superimposed his face over him. But the best special effect that isn't the little Steve, Jamie. Um. I want to say it's Hugo Weaving's face with the makeup and not. Because, I mean, Hugo Weaving's face does amazing <laughs> things with the <laughs> makeup. Yeah. True. But, I, but, one, but once he takes the skin off and we just see the, the, red, the red skull face on him, it, mm-hmm. I mean, it's one of those, like, times when Marvel's willing to lean in to the comic bookness of it, of it all. Mm-hmm. And, and it works. They make it work. Um, it, looks, it looks believable. Um, and also it looks, I mean, they make it work. Like, I mean, it feel like it fits with this world in ways that like the, was it 92 version just looked hideous. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sammy's laughing. He's seen that movie. Um, uh, but like, but it works and it looks believable. It looks like a, like that's a person's face. Uh, and then, Oh gosh, you own it. <laughs> <laughs> Most days I like to pretend that doesn't exist, um, but it, it just it just works. It works in the movie, and it just it, and it looks really good. And I don't I don't think that that these early movies I think they're actually lying on IMDb about what the budget was. There is no way they spent 140 million dollars on this movie. That's what IMDb says the budget is. Um, it's clearly they clearly were constrained budget wise, um, but that the Red Skull it looks right. It works, and right. I, I, I love it. You know, I, and I agree with that because they, they didn't take it too over the top. You know, sometimes, especially in the comics, they get that brow really big and those cheekbones really protruding and stuff. And, and you know, it can get a bit overdone. So they, they, they made the it. Skull. Yeah. You know, well, well, as far as my best special effect, I know where all that money went, Jamie. All that money went to realize the Hydra Uber tanks. <laughs> they were huge. They were massive CG types of things, as far as I know, unless they tricked me again. Um, so, <laughs> but that has to be, I loved the designs on those. I loved how massive those Uber tanks were. I just thought it was so cool to see Captain America jumping off of one of those tanks. I loved it. You know it, what it looked like? It looked like, you remember when you were a kid and you had all of your toys set together and you would like be different sizes and it looked like you're playing with one of your G.I. Joes and it was jumping off something from like a Transformer set that was just the wrong perspective. <laughs> it, it, that's how big those tanks were. It looked like it was from a yep. different toy set. Yeah, yeah. None, of, none of the scale matched up as a kid. Yeah, yeah, none of the scale matched up as a kid. It was great, um, but you know, short of calling the best special effect, you know, the uh, the train assault, and I don't know how much of an effect this was, but it really struck me so hard for my childhood. I don't know why, but Sammy kind of alluded to it. How much Hydra equals Cobra? <laughs> <laughs> 
You know, I mean, you could almost one-to-one with some of the troopers' costumes and, you know, like you said, the Uber tanks, the uh, the technologies, the things. You know, you could just about call Captain America Duke. And, <laughs> and you know, uh, Agent Carter, you know, Lady Jane or Scarlet, you know, in this thing. Um, it was, you know, Hydra equals Cobra to me. Is uh, I guess it was just a presentation. It was I was just in just the right age and era for my youth. But uh, yeah, yeah, the, the, the GI Joe to to Hydra uh, thing there really really struck me so hard. I, I loved it. it was great. It was great. Another thing that strikes me is the skills and unagedness of an actor. Not in this movie, but I'm sure there's a connection somewhere. In Captain America, the first Avenger, to Keanu Reeves, Jamie. All right. This week's Keanu connection is another interesting one. Um, Hugo Weaving was too easy, and he already did the job uh, on the Fellowship of the Ring Force. So, <laughs> um, but we do have a connection this week. Um, one of the people who does the job of Greensman uh, for Captain America, the first Avenger, had worked with Keanu. Um, I took some wild guesses. <laughs> <laughs> what a greensman was, and so I, I I went I went through the process trying to figure out what this was I'm on before I gave up and googled it. So my first guess was this is the guy who made salads for the director. Um, <laughs> uh, this is a Joe Johnson flick, so I figured there's a lot of green screen. Maybe he's in charge of the screens. Uh, maybe it was. So I started getting serious. Maybe it's his job to make sure the grass or bushes or something stays matched up for different takes. Um, I was trying too hard. It's not that complicated. <laughs> so, so here's the definition I found online. A greensman or greens person or greenskeeper is any production personnel on a film set who is responsible for obtaining and taking care of anything green or natural used in the film production. That's it. Mm. <laughs> there were like six of them for this movie. But... David Corral is the only one that matters for us because he was the greensman on Captain America, the first Avenger. But three oh years earlier, he served the exact same role on Street Kings, starring our beloved Keanu. David Corral is our Keanu connection. <gasps> well, not only did we learn who the Keanu connection was, we also got some great information on what a greensman <laughs> That's yes. right. I liked my guesses better. Thought I'd share them. <laughs> you would not believe how many tabs I had open before I found a single person who had worked with Keanu. Greensman is not where I start. <laughs> well, gentlemen, that was our review of Captain America, the first Avenger. Um, Turn off. There's no news for next week. So, Jamie, what do we got going on? Well, we're once again having a celebrity roller, and this time we've got a returning guest. Say hi, Esther. I'm back. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I see she is sporting her Gryffindor. Um, and uh, that's very reminiscent. I love the episode of she was on the Prisoner of Azkaban. Oh, so yeah. she was supporting her Gryffindor there. Yeah, she's uh, doing a Herm- Her- Her- Hermione Granger impression this evening. Okay, <laughs> um, but so we've got so we've got a list. 
um, of a bunch of movies that have been submitted mostly by our listeners. And <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Anyway, so we need you to roll the dice for us, and we will see what we're watching next. Hurrah! Hurrah! Okay, we've got eight. <laughs> Number eight is Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. <laughs> All <Okay>. right. <laughs> All right. I believe this was one of our listener submissions. Yes. Um, from the role there. So uh, Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, Jim Carrey. This well, was when, he, when I really first became aware of him. Like I'd seen him on like um, in Living Color, but I didn't know of him as like a movie star until this movie. Right. And I think yeah, I was fourteen at the time, so I thought this was a <laughs> hilarious movie. And so we'll see if it holds up. Yeah, I think this and the mask really established his insanity. Yeah. Uh, on the screen, so yeah, looking forward to visiting Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. So I guess as a pet detective, Jamie, as we get all of our ducks in a row, what are we going to do till the next episode? We're going to take all our shots as we keep it nerdy. Nerdy. <laughs> <laughs>